Now, I feel very conned at the moment because I went into the first service with that modicum of uh, greater reverence, uh, wearing a jacket. Jonathan was in a jacket, and I come in here. Thank you, John. <laughs> uh, what it is to have friends. <laughs> We've been looking at the whole concept of what church is. And so, good morning. Are you feeling bright and breezy and ready to think? Because in looking at what church is, we're going to look today at what the Holy Spirit does to make us church. And one of the problems that you have is the minute you start to read about the Holy Spirit in those passages we've been looking at over the last few weeks, you'll discover that there are two different things being said. You've got John 20 when Jesus takes the disciples after his resurrection, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now you have a problem. And a number of the theologians uh, are very quick to give you the answer. Because they're not speaking from belief, they say Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That is merely symbolic. Unfortunately, I believe when Jesus breathes on you and says something, it actually happens. But if you believe that, you've then got a problem what on earth happens on the day of Pentecost? Because on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire come down upon them and we read that they receive the Holy Spirit. And you can go into a lot of churches today and they will tell you that until you've had that Pentecostal experience, you haven't received the Holy Spirit. So by that argument, Jesus didn't achieve what he did when he said, receive the Holy Spirit to his disciples. It didn't happen. Are you still with me? So what is the answer to this? Well, it all comes down also to two little English prepositions. Scripture tells us that the Spirit comes in us. Scripture also tells us that on other occasions the Spirit comes on us. Is that the same thing, in and on? Now, I'm going to argue this morning that it doesn't mean the same, and I know that Jonathan is of one mind with me on this, that what is being talked about are two different experiences of the Holy Spirit. So when someone asks you, has the Holy Spirit come upon you? And you say, no. And then they say to you, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Careful. Because the Spirit comes within you whenever Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So when you come to faith, when you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you receive the Holy Spirit. So there is no question from the teaching of Scripture that when Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Spirit, you do. There is no question 
that when you ask Jesus to come into your hardened life, he does exactly that, but he does it by his Holy Spirit. So what on earth is this second blessing we hear about? What happens to the disciples on the day of Pentecost? Why is it necessary? Now, we're going to just trip a couple of passages in Acts, and you discover that the apostles are arrested. And they are arrested for open-air preaching. And when they're taken, the religious leaders challenge them for what right do they have to preach and to try and teach the people. And they use two Greek words, so forgive me, we're going to go into the Greek text, okay? So you're going to learn some Greek this morning. In the Greek we read that the religious leaders say to the disciples, or recognize the disciples, as being a grammatoi idiote. Now you can probably work that out quite easily. <laughs> it's not very difficult. Agrammatoi means ungrammatical. Idiote means what you think it means, idiots. <laughs> so the disciples are accused of being ungrammatical idiots. So how have they got the right to preach? Particularly when the religious leaders of the Jews put all the emphasis on the teaching you have, the qualifications you possess, and the disciples are ungrammatical idiots. Then we read that the people recognized that they had been with Jesus. So in other words, they didn't have the education, they didn't have the understanding, but they did have the experience and the personal relationship. All of this is really important because it all runs through to be true today. So many of us look at ourselves and think, well, I don't know. I haven't got the education. The question is not, do you have the education? The question is, do you have the experience? The question is not, do you understand everything? question is, have you been with Jesus? You heard me say before, Christianity is not a religion. It's not a set of principles. It's a relationship. It's you and I coming together with Jesus. Now let's get back to the Holy Spirit. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. So why do you need a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why do you need a Pentecost? Why do you need something more? And the answer again is fairly straightforward. You've received the Holy Spirit if you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Have you got that? If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, I'm going to get you to to go with me. If you've received, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. Yes? Yes. So why do you still need more of the Spirit? And the answer is the Holy Spirit can be within you. But that doesn't mean he's necessarily ignited in your life. 
You can have the Spirit but not be on fire with the Holy Spirit. People may not take note that you've been with Jesus because the Spirit isn't ablaze within you. What happens at Pentecost is they've already got the Spirit. Now Jesus ignites his Spirit in his disciples and they burn with passion, they burn with love, they burn with power. The world can see Jesus, the people will know that Jesus is there. It's reality. Now, how often have you heard Jonathan say in recent weeks, we are going to become a separate church. We're going to be a congregation in our own right. And then say, that means we need, yeah, you got it, that means we need not just to have the Spirit within us, but to know the Spirit coming upon us igniting our lives with life and power, setting us on fire with the love of Jesus, that the world may see the power of God at work within us and people will know that something has happened to us. Have you got it? That is exactly what this is all about. Jesus breathes on them, they receive the Holy Spirit, they're in the kingdom, but they still need the Spirit to be set on fire that the world may know and see what has happened. And so conversion is the birth, the beginning of new life. But it's not the end of the story. Now, the next problem that comes up is people say, well, I've received the Holy Spirit. Not just the conversion, but later in my life, God did something for me. The great old 19th century American preacher, Dwight L. Moody, was preaching in England, which is a dangerous thing for an American preacher to do. And as Moody preached, he preached, I, what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. That's what you need. And British church leaders came up to him afterwards and said, Dr. Moody, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we've been filled. Moody said, that's good. But I need to be filled with the Spirit every moment of every day. Because I leak. And we are a very leaky people. And Moody's point was, when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that, again, sadly, is a mistranslation from the Greek. What the word means is, be filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, but it's bad English, so we translate it as be filled. But actually, if you translate it literally, it's continue to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's past continuous. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not enough to be filled with the Spirit yesterday. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit tomorrow. You need to be filled with the Spirit every moment of every day because we leak. You got it. <laughs> and it's such an important lesson. We can't be without the Holy Spirit. 
Because if you're without the Holy Spirit, you're doing your best for God, which is not what Christianity is about. It's God doing his best through you. You and I are called to be drain pipes for Jesus. I'm sorry, you may not like that, but it's absolutely true. You are called to be a drain pipe where God can pour his spirit through one end and his spirit comes out undiluted the other end. So being a drain pipe for Jesus is what God's calling on our lives is for us to become. It is so important that that's what we are. And so the spirit we receive is not just given. Now we get the next big problem. You turn your radio on or your TV on and you will be told by the health and wealth preachers that God wants to bless you. Yes. What a load of rubbish. Because it's half the statement. God wants to bless you in order that he may make you a blessing. God doesn't want to bless you for yourself. He wants to bless you that you may be a blessing for others. He wants to bless you so that he can work through you. The blessing of God is only half the story. It's not what God does for you and me that's important. It's what God does through you and me that's important. It's how much God gets into our community. It's how much God gets into Daniel Island. It's how much God gets with his power and his goodness through our lives to transform us, to make us a blessing to those who are around us. The Holy Spirit is not given just to make you happy. He's given to make you holy. He's not just given to bless you. He's given to make you a blessing. He's given so that something can happen. Now, there is a lovely, cheeky English rhyme that I'm going to use now. If you, if you have the Spirit and not the Word, sorry, if you have the Word and not the Spirit of God, you'll dry up. If you have the Spirit of God and not the Word of God, you'll blow up. But if you have the Spirit of God and the Word of God together, you'll grow up. And it is so important that we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God at work in our hearts and lives, then we will grow in God. That's why Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why on the day of, uh, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes upon them and ignites sets on fire the spirit within them so that people can look into our hearts and lives and see Jesus and not just us. Secondly, this Holy Spirit who we're talking about is God. Now this is a real problem to so many people. The idea that, the, that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because that would mean that the Spirit is God. Jesus says in John 20, Just as the Father has sent him, so he now sends us. But he doesn't send us in our power, he sends us in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is given to us to flood through our hearts and lives, to set us on fire, and to bring the love of Jesus 
into this world where he's placed us. It's so incredibly important that this God who is holy, who is eternal, who is omnipresent, who is omnipotent, and who is omniscient, comes to our hearts and lives and is God in us. Christianity is no mere religion about God, what you know. It is a relationship with God. It is who you know and who comes in his love and power to be in you. So what does Jesus do when he breathes on the Holy uh, when he breathes the Holy Spirit into the lives of his disciples? He comes into the lives of those disciples and at Pentecost he sets that Holy Spirit on fire. And something happens through them. And so the Holy Spirit is not remote. He actually comes and dwells in God's people. That's why in John 14 when Jesus promises his Holy Spirit, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Hey, do you get it? Christianity is not what you believe, it's who you know. Christianity is not just a set of theories you believe, it's a God who lives with you. And it's not just a God who lives with you, it's a God who lives in you. And this living God is God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is so amazing to understand that the Holy Spirit is God, set on fire within us. Can we take that any further? Yes, we can. So often we see the Holy Spirit as the one who enables us to fulfill our dreams. But he's not just that. He's the one who comes in us to be God in us. Now, I hunted and hunted and hunted for an illustration to use, for a story to tell you. And I just couldn't get a good enough one because the only one that I was coming up with was one of Ruth's stories. <laughs> and I thought, I will get shot if I take the credit for this one. So, Ruthie, come and tell the story of Rhoda. <laughs> Can I say, my stories don't always have to be grim. <laughs> I was in Malawi. Malawi is a country in the southern part of Africa. It's a very beautiful country, and the people are known for their smiles and their happiness, and their, they're just lovely, lovely place to be. But I went to visit someone called Rhoda, and uh, she lived in a mud hut. Now, she lived in a three-walled mud hut because it had been raining a lot and one of the mud walls had completely collapsed. Her whole home was probably the size of your restroom back at home. Tiny little place. That day, her one possession had been stolen, which was a bucket, a pail, to go to the local well to collect water. And so, can you imagine this, a three-walled mud hut. There was nothing on the floor to sit on. I had to sit on the mud. And there was no furniture. And there was Rhoda. Rhoda sitting on the floor with me. And she was cradling an 11-month-old baby girl. She was cradling the baby girl because the baby girl's mother had died from AIDS. 
And now the baby girl is dying from AIDS too. Her granddaughter is dying from AIDS. Now Rhoda was blind. Rhoda, the only way to live and care for her family was to go and beg on the street corners. And that's mind-blowing to me. And uh, so Rhoda's there, and she's got no means of getting water. Her daughter's died, her granddaughter's dying. And I said, look, Rhoda, and I knew she was a Christian, I'm going back to the West. What would you like me to tell your brothers and sisters in the West about your situation? And as a blind woman, she said, tell them what you have seen and tell them I love Jesus and he is all I need. And he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we won't be orphans. So that we will have the living God living in us. Isn't that incredible? God lives in you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God gives you and I everything we need so we can walk with him. And his Holy Spirit comes and directs our lives. Now, if you read in your Bible who the Holy Spirit is, if your Bible is a King James Version, it will say the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. If it's a New International Version, it will say the Holy Spirit is the Counselor. If it's an NRSV, it will say the Holy Spirit is the Advocate. And if it's a New King James Version, it will say the Holy Spirit is the Helper. And just in order to help you all, they're all wrong. The Holy Spirit cannot be translated comforter or counselor or advocate or helper because the Holy Spirit is all five wrapped up in one, all four wrapped up in one. He's the comforter, counselor, advocate and helper. All of them in you and me living to reveal God to us and to bring us all that we need. So what does this mean? What do we have to know this Holy Spirit for? I am English originally, you may have guessed. <laughs> Despite 25 years living in the US, I can't lose the accent, nor can I lose the history. Because sometimes I remember that it was in 1066 that King William of Normandy invaded England. And it was the last time the French defeated the English. in battle. And what happened was the French were so excited over that victory that the sisters in the monastery in Bayeux in northern France stitched a tapestry called the Bayeux Tapestry, which you can still see today. And that Bayeux Tapestry is a series of panels commemorating the victory. One of those panels has got a picture of a couple of reluctant heroes going into battle. And Bishop Odo, King William's brother, 
is standing behind them with a spear, pointed end first. And he is prodding these two reluctant heroes with the pointed end of the spear. Underneath is the lovely little caption put in in 1066. King William comforteth his soldiers. Nowadays, the word comfort means, oh, dear, 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 it's all right. It'll all get better. In those days, comfort meant mobilize into battle. And when we read the Holy Spirit is the comforter for us, he's the one to mobilize us into battle. That's why he's also the helper and the advocate and the counselor, because we need the Holy Spirit to get us ready for battle. If we're going to really see Daniel Island transformed with the love of God, we need to be on fire with the Holy Spirit. If we really want to be used by God to touch our community and to touch the people around us, we need to be on fire with the power of God. If we really want to see God take hold of us and make this church all that we dream of it becoming in the grace and power of God, we need to be ready for the Holy Spirit to be allowed to come and do his work among us. We need to allow him not to be the one who comes to prop us up, but the one who comes to send us out, the one who comes to set us on fire, and the one who comes to dream the dreams of God in and through our lives. That's why life is a bit exciting. That's why it's good to be here. That's why it's good to come together, not because of where we are now, but because of where God's taking us, because of what the living God is going to do in us and through us. The Spirit is the one who directs our lives because the Spirit is God himself and because the Spirit is the one who is going to come to us and the Spirit is the one who is going to fill us. Which leads me to one simple question. I'm not saying, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because I hope the answer to that is yes, because you've surrendered your life to Jesus already. But I am going to say, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Is he filling your heart and life? Is he taking hold of you and blessing you and using you? Is he giving you all that you can't provide for yourself and being God in you and through you? Because that's where we're going. That's where we're heading. And that's what the living God is going to do. God bless you.